visual society. We, we run into this uh, in, in many areas. We see where, uh, where technology and um, our medias and um, all of our entertainment is having to keep up with uh, the visual society, the visual culture that we have today. In our churches even, we, we run into needing to upgrade logos and to do different new kinds of videos and keep up with the social media. <clears throat> we live in a society and a culture that, that judges things by what they see on, on most instances. We judge everything by what we see. One of the only senses that we use anymore to decide what is truth and what is not. If I... Uh, if we see it on the internet, you know, it's, it's got to be true, right? You watch that video, it's got to be true. We, we watched it happen right in front of us. We know things most of the time from the way it looks on the outside. We can judge a lot of times what a person will be like by the way that they are dressed, what kind of lifestyle that they lead, and, and what, what they, where they are going and what they're planning to do strictly upon how that person looks or how they are dressed. I'm sure that on, on our way to church, if we stop by on a Sunday morning and you're dressed up in a suit and you stop by church, by a QT or somewhere to pick up a breakfast sandwich, that whenever people see you on Sunday morning dressed up in your Sunday best, that they don't think that you're going just down to the Walmart for a moment. They don't think that you're going to court maybe on a Sunday morning. But they can judge from what they see and, and contextual clues that you're probably headed to church. Now, if you see someone in their pajamas, they might either be headed to bed or to the Walmart. Amen. There's some people that I wonder if they even have a mirror in their home, the way that they leave the house. I, I can only remember one time in my life that I got up, I got dressed, I got completely ready, and I, can, and I, I left the house thinking, you know, other than whenever I was fixing my hair or brushing my teeth, I never really looked in the mirror to see what I look like. I wonder what I look like today. But we, we, we can judge people, and, and, and it means a lot to us because people judge who we are and what we're doing and how we're going to act and, and, who, and, and, and the person that we are by the way that we look on the outside. A baseball is known by the way that it looks on the outside. It's red and white. It's got certain stitchings and, and so like a certain amount of stitchings on that ball. And we, we look at it and we see it and we say that's a baseball because the way that it looks. A golf ball has every little dimple in the right place all over that ball so that it's used properly. But we know it because we see it and we say well that's a golf ball because it looks like this and this is a baseball because it looks like this. But the truth is, is that on the inside of those two sports balls that if they are not put together properly and if they are not constructed in an exact way, that no matter how they look or what they look like, they cannot be used for their intended purpose. The outside can be perfect, but if the inside is not constructed properly, it's, it's useless. We can identify a basketball by the way that it looks. But if anybody has ever picked up a partially deflated basketball, you understand uh, that, that the amount of air that is inside of that ball makes a huge difference in whether that ball can be used to play basketball or not. That the outside may look perfect. It may look like it's a perfectly good usable basketball. But if you go to grab it and your hand sinks into it, 
you're just going to put it back and go to the next one because you know on the inside something is not right there's some great controversy that has been caused by what is inside of a baseball bat or how inflated a football is anybody remember the scandal from a few years ago on the football amen there's been great controversy and and people have lost their careers over the simple fact that the inside of something was not right while the outside looked perfect. While everything on the outside may look fine, it's what's on the inside that really matters. Today I want to preach to you for just a few moments on a title, and I thought I had a screen, I couldn't find it, but I'm titling this Inside Out, Inside Out. If you have ever bought a brand new car, I've never been blessed to be able to drive onto a lot and say, I want that one. Nobody else has ever driven it. No one else's funk is in there. (laughs) No one else has smeared anything across the seats. I've never been able to do that, but I I know that that I've, I've gone dreaming before, not shopping, but just car dreaming, and I've seen some vehicles and Whenever you purchase a brand new car, though, whenever you're looking at those vehicles, you lay down that money, you get into that vehicle, and you expect whenever you pull the handle that the door is going to open. You expect that whenever you get in there into that car, you go to sit down that on the inside that there's going to be some seats in there. And not only some seats, but they're going to be comfortable to sit in. When you turn the key, the the ignition is going to start the engine. And when we press the gas on the car, it's going to move in the direction that we want it to. We assume these things because why would anyone assemble a vehicle that is not functional? Why would someone that is creating a car put so much into the appearance on the outside and the perfection of what it looks like on the outside only to have the inner workings to be dysfunctional? Why would they do that? They would not be in business very long. Many people in today's society will focus so much on the exterior of things, neglecting what is on the inside, refusing to put the time and the effort into the inner workings of the object, caring only about what people see and how they respond to the way that it looks. If you've ever uh, been in a place where there's something that you want but you can't really afford the, the, the name brand item there's always a knockoff of that item uh, I, I, my mind goes directly to electronics and firearms those are two things that I really enjoy and there's always a knockoff to electronics and there's always a lesser brand to firearms but the truth is is that if the insides do not match the outside that the final product is an item that looks good that looks like the real thing, but when testing its limits, it will always fail. When testing its limits, it will always fail. If we are not careful, this can become a similar standard in our walk with God. That if we as human beings, as as people that God created to be in relationship with Him, if we are not careful in our life, that we can get the outside perfect. 
We can get the outside right. We can look right. We can say the right things. We can know when to stand. We can know where to sit. And we can know uh, what to wear. And we can know when to lift our hands and say amen and what to say and when to say it. But if we neglect what's going on on the inside of our life, if we neglect some core values that we should start with, that, that will make the stuff on the outside really come together without even trying or the way that God has planned for it to, we have found ourselves in a bad situation. We've got to make sure that the inside is right. You have to understand that there is a process and a principle to the things of God. That God works off of processes and principles. And today what we are talking about is that if we will get the inside right, that the outside will follow suit. Now I know a lot of us right now are, are in our mind, we're talking about apostolic holiness, right? Man, if we get the inside right, the outside will begin to look right and we're, we'll wear the right things and our hair will be right and our face will be right and we're all, all these, these things, we're, we're, we're going to dress right, we're going to look right. And many times in the apostolic Pentecostal movement, this is where we go. And there is much focus that is put on outward appearance and, and I totally believe that, I agree with it, that outward holiness is so important that people... Most of the time, many times, I've, I've, I've invited people to church and, 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 and they've, they've not come or been hesitant to come because they don't know that they can look the part. And I've had people tell me, I, I can't go to that church, I don't even own a dress. You're looking at the outside before you're fixing what's on the inside. Don't, don't worry about that yet. Our, our outward appearance is very prevalent as apostolics and it's what people see and recognize I, I can walk through a mall all day long and pass 1500 apostolic men and not even recognize that they're apostolic men but if I see one woman in a dress and long hair and no makeup I'm like what church do you go to you know because it's prevalent it, it, it's, it's how we stand out it's how we uh, set ourselves apart but many times people will if, if we're going to think about that for a moment people will try to fix what's on the outside and make us look right and make yourselves look the way that you should while the inner man is being neglected the outward is important don't misunderstand me today I'm, I'm not up here trying to preach a, a different doctrine from what we believe the outward man is important and, and, and it's something that we have to work on you have to get this though that the integrity of what's happening on the outside is directly connected to the importance of what's on the inside. I want to say that again. The integrity of what's happening on the outside, what people can see, is directly connected to the importance of what's happening on the inside. While putting this together, while studying this and, and, and trying to find something to compare to I go back to the fact that every airplane, anybody ever flown on an airplane? How, has anybody not ever flown on an airplane? All right, we got a couple. All right. Well, they don't crash often, but they do crash. And <laughs> if an airplane crashes, there is something within there that holds some vital information called a black box. If you've ever read a story about in the news of an airplane that has gone down, they always say they're looking for the black box. 
Now, I'm not sure why it's called a black box because it's actually painted bright orange. And it, it makes it easier to be found amongst wreckage and, 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 and uh, brush or wherever it is that this plane goes down. But it's made up, it's painted bright orange, and it's made up of three layers. It's hardened steel and titanium, a layer of insulation, and a thermal blocking material. This box, this black box is designed to withstand the shock of 310 miles per hour to zero in only 18 inches. To withstand the impact of 3,400 times its own weight. To withstand 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit for one hour and 500 degrees Fahrenheit for 10 hours. It's, it's, it's designed to withstand a crush test of 5,000 pounds per square inch and then dropped into salt water at a depth of 20,000 feet for 30 days to show that it can sustain the pressure of being in the ocean. All of this focus is put on the exterior of this box because of what it holds on the inside. You see, the information inside of this black box is so important that great lengths are taken to make sure that the inside is protected by the outside. Making sure that the integrity of the exterior matches the importance of the interior. You see, if the black box just contained M&Ms, it would be fine for it to just have a paper yellow wrapper around it. If it was just trash inside of this box, it would be fine for it to be a thin plastic bag. But we must understand that the importance of what is on the inside must match the integrity of what is on the outside. It's, this is not just a principle. It's not just a principle that we live by, but it is a process that we find even Jesus talks about. Matthew 23, verses 25 and 27. He, he uses some pretty stern words here whenever he's talking to these scribes and Pharisees. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you religious people, hypocrites, he calls them, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, First, clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside may be clean. Jesus is telling us that first, what we need to do is cleanse the inside. That if we will cleanse the inside first, that once the inside is clean, that then the outside may be clean also. I, I like to think sometimes of someone who, who hands me a, a, a coffee cup that looks clean and nice and, and uh, it, it looks great on the outside it's shining, it's beautiful but then you go to put something in it and you look and there's a film in there of whatever was in there last I, I, I'm not going to put something in there to drink I don't want to drink the leftovers of whatever was in there last week I, I don't want something that's clean on the outside and dirty on the inside we must understand that before we see the blessings of God 
that before we see the favor of God and the manifest manifestation of God in our life, before we see things happen in our life the way that God has intended and planned, that there must be a transformation that happens on the inside, not just on the outside, but something on the inside must take place, that we must have the Spirit of God working within us, removing all evil, removing all doubt, removing everything of this world and opening up a place where God can fill us with his spirit and for his spirit to work through us. Jesus sets the mold here and he sets the process here that if we ever want to be used by God, if we ever want to do the things that God has planned for us, if we ever want to see the miracles of God, if we ever want for things to be done in the way that God has planned, that we have to get in his process and understand his principle that before we do anything else, that there must be a place at an altar where we clean the inside out, where we get the inside right and we say God I've opened my heart I've removed all these things out of me and I'm ready for you to do a work in me and whenever we get there we'll start seeing some things happen on the outside we'll start noticing some things happen that people can see but it has to start on the inside first we have to work from the inside out we are called out of darkness into light We are told not to be of this world, but understanding that we have to be in the world. Every day we get up and we put our pants on or our dress and skirt on and we get out into this world and we've got to be a part of it. We go to work, we go to school. We we do all of these things in the world, but we're called to not be part of the world. In it, but not of it. Every day, we walk through a world that is full of hurt, full of pain, sin, struggle, these these spirits and powers outside of our understanding. And as we walk through this dirty, sin-filled world, it is the Spirit of God that is within us that will keep the things on the outside from contaminating what is on the inside. It is the Spirit of God that we have dwelling within us that will help us each and every day to fight off the things that we are having to face as we walk through this world. Acts 1 and 8 says, after we receive the Holy Ghost, that we will receive power to be my witnesses, to be the witnesses of God, the witnesses of Jesus. You see, there is a power that comes upon us whenever we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And while that power does give us the authority and the power to lay hands on the sick and they they are healed and they recover, while it gives us the authority and the power to do the miraculous, it is also an authority and a power for us to walk in this world and to be part of this world and not to be of this world. It is a power that we have, that we would not be affected by the world around us, but that there would be something on the inside of us, working on the outside of us, that affects the world that we are around. I'm going to say that again. There, there has got to be something within us. The Spirit of God, whenever it comes into us, we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. We're baptized in His name, and the Spirit of God is dwelling within us. It gives us a power and an authority. He says, to be my witnesses. That means that we walk in this world, but we're not affected by this world. 
that there's something within us that gives us a power and an authority to not be affected by it, but for us to affect it. That people should see us and go, I feel God off of them. That people should hear us talk and go, I want to know more about what they have. That people should see us and, and go, I want to know what it is that they have that gives them joy that I don't have, that gives them a peace that I don't have, that lets them shine a light outside of them. And I'm telling you, it's from what is inside of us working on the outside. The same disciples that were confused and constantly needing parables to understand the things of God found themselves after the Holy Ghost was poured out going and preaching and doing miracles having a firm grip on what their purpose was operating with boldness and without fear because there was something that happened on the day of Pentecost whenever they received the gift of the Holy Ghost that they weren't just walking beside Jesus but now the spirit of God was within them and there was a power and an authority that they had to walk through this earth that whenever the Holy Ghost was poured out they didn't need the parables anymore they didn't need to understand they needed all that they needed was to walk with the authority and the power of God and we see them operating in boldness and without fear because of what was on the inside of them there was a transformation that took place because there's something that happens on the outside when we get it right on the inside when the spirit of God is operating within us it will help us to fight the spirits that attempt to attach themselves through the physical all around us. We must understand and come to an understanding that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That whenever we walk through this earth and, and these things are coming against us, I, I, I'm, I, I don't want to oversimplify the this, this spiritual realm and I, I, I don't want to I don't want to make things seem too simple in your life either. I know that whenever you're facing things, it's real. It's tough. It's hard to get through. But I'm a firm believer. The Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That whenever we are coming against things in our life that appear to be in the physical, that there's something spiritual attached to that. That there's something that we are fighting against that we can't fight with weapons on this earth. That there's something happening that, that we can't just come against with the things that this world gives us to fight against it with. But that there is a power and an authority that we have through the Spirit of God. That whenever we get it on the inside, whenever we get the inside right, and we've spent some time with God, and we've spent some time in His Word, that we know that there's something that God is able to do through that situation. And that we can walk through this world with boldness and an authority and with power. No Knowing that God is doing a work and can do a work on the outside because what has happened on the inside. This is why we are instructed each and every day to put on the whole armor of God. That we should start our day every day with prayer and the word. I'm so thankful 
for what we are doing here this month. That we're doing this 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 month long of prayer and of fasting. And I'll just say that there's a couple Fridays on there with nobody on it, and every Saturday and every Sunday. I know those are going to be tough to feel. But if somebody wants to step out and take care of that, we need somebody each and every day this month praying and fasting, praying and fasting, praying and fasting. That we get into the Word. That we use this this daily Bible reading plan that we have for us to dig in to the word of God that we should start our day every day with prayer and the word activating the spirit that is within us equipping us to withstand the evils that we're going to face throughout the day what I can tell you right now without the shadow of a doubt is that as you get up and you walk through this world each and every day that the enemy will come against you that the enemy will tempt you and the enemy will try to take you down the difference is going to be whether you are prepared to fight that battle or not and I'm telling you that if you get up in the morning and you begin to pray and you begin to seek the face of God and you begin to read his word and you activate that spirit on the inside of you there's going to be something on the outside that's going to take place that will get you through this life every day Every day we need his word. Every day we need his spirit within us, equipping us to withstand the evils that we will face in this life. When the disciples were unable to do the miraculous, they turned to Jesus and said, what's wrong? Why can't we do this thing? And he said to them, these things come, but by prayer and by fasting. When you spend time with God, and you spend time in the Word, it it, it does something inside of us that makes us able to do things, that makes a difference on the outside that we can't explain to people. Well, I can't explain to people how they see joy on my face or how they see joy through my words that I speak, how they hear the joy of God out of what I'm saying. I can't explain that to you. All that I can tell you is that there's something on the inside that's working, that's manifesting itself on the outside and making a difference in the life that I live. Is there anybody that can attest to that? Has anybody ever had a moment in your life where someone comes up to to you and says, man, I don't know what it is that's different about you. I can see it. I can feel it. Anybody? Anybody ever had that happen in your life? A co-worker want to know more about God just because of what they feel coming off of you. In the natural, they feel something, but it doesn't start on the outside. It's not because you're wearing your suit. It's not because you look the part. It's because of what's on the inside that is coming outside of you, that is making itself known in the physical. It starts on the inside. We're doing this push for Bible reading, prayer, and fasting at the beginning of this year because we understand the concept and the principle that these things affect who we are on the inside, which has an effect on the outside. Not just how we dress, while that's important, but how we act, how we feel, how we interact with others, how we react to temptation, how we evangelize the world. When the inside is right, When the inside is right, it's easier to live holy, to live modest, and to live a righteous life. When we get the inside right, it makes it easier for us to come into the house of the Lord, lifting up holy hands, worshiping and praising God with no condemnation. 
I love, and I know he's not here right now. He's downstairs teaching, but I love to see Brother Cozart come out and whenever something gets all over him and he comes down around this front and he begins worshiping and praising God I love seeing that happen I'm seeing a man that remembers who he was before God and recognizing who he is today with God a person who has had a change on the outside that would never do the things that he does around the front but because he's had a change on the inside there's some things that change on the outside and he begins to lift up the name of God, lifting up hands, stomping his feet, walking around this front, worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, letting worship come off of him because of what happened on the inside. When the inside is right, something happens on the outside that is noticed by the whole world around us. John chapter 15 verses 4 and 5 says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me Jesus says I am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing when we are connected to the vine, when, it, when we are connected to God, when we are connected to Jesus and He is connected to us, when we are in Him and He is in us, we will begin to see some fruit in our life, some fruits in our life, so some things that, that we need and we desire that we want to have in our life that cannot be cultivated on the outside, that cannot be cultivated in the physical, but requires work on the inside for us to see it when we get the inside right we will see things on the outside of our life begin to blossom there will be some fruit that will begin to show up like love joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self control come on these fruits of the spirit will begin to move through us and operate outside of us and people will know it not because we've done some things on the outside but because we did something on the inside that has changed who we are, that has changed our DNA makeup, that has erased all the old things and made us a new creature in Christ, a person that we need to be today in this world. We become a new creature. Old things passed away and all things becoming new. What's on the inside affects what's on the outside. I love that that Sister Charla brought up at the beginning the woman with the issue of blood reaching out for the garment. The Bible, and I, I, I wrestled with whether to put this in here or not, and I didn't, and I'm glad you mentioned it. it was a confirmation that it should have been here. But the Bible says that whenever, whenever she decided that she was going to go and reach out and find Jesus and receive her miracle, the Bible says these words, she said within herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. She didn't say it outside to a friend. I, I'm not going to call Brother Perryman and say, if I can just this, then I've got to decide within myself. 
There's got to be something on the inside that's yearning. There's got to be something on the inside with the desire. There's got to be something changing on the inside that I have to make up my mind if I will just do this thing that God will operate through me. There's some people here today that are wanting some things, that need to see some things. Come on, you need peace in your life. Come on, you need joy in your life. You need a miracle in your life. There's something that needs to happen deep down on the inside. There's a relationship with God that needs to be cultivated and a decision that you need to make. If I can but reach Jesus, I can receive everything that I need. And that is the key to it, everybody. That is the key to a church that we have to reach Jesus on the inside. On the inside, we have to get to him each and every day. We've got to find a place where we get in relationship with him. And if we don't, it feels weird. Where we have to walk every day with him. And if he's not beside us, we're lost. If he's not holding my hand, I'm scared. We've got to get to that place. We've got to get to that place where we understand that without what's going on on the inside, we can never have the things God wants to do on the outside. I'm going to close up with a couple stories here today if my musicians will come. I want to compare two Bible stories that that deal with the difference of of what takes place whenever we change what's on the inside. In the book of Joshua, the city of Jericho was destroyed and God gave instruction, take nothing from the land. But there was a man named Achan and Achan saw some things that he felt like he couldn't live without, that he needed and that he couldn't he couldn't move on unless he had it. Achan took some of the things that he was told not to take and he hid them within his tent, within the camp. When Israel then went to take the city of Ai, Israel was defeated. It was brought to Joshua's attention that the reason that they lost the battle was because someone had something inside their tent, inside the camp, that wasn't supposed to be there. Something hidden on the inside meant defeat for the people of Israel on the outside. That because one man decided that he was going to take some things that he was not supposed to have and hide them inside of his camp, that it meant defeat for all of Israel in the eyes of everybody. Judges chapter 7, if you'll stand with me. Gideon has gathered men to defeat Midian. He gathers, and I'm skipping a large portion of these stories for the sake of time. He gathers together 300 men, 300 of his finest men, chosen the way God has called him to choose them. And he gives them three things. He gives them a horn, he gives them a vessel, and he gives them a torch to put inside of that vessel Gideon told the men that on his call I want you to blow the trumpets I want you to break the vessel and I want you to release the light from inside of that vessel and give a shout 
As they encamp around the city, Gideon gives the call, and the men followed the instruction. They blew the trumpet, they broke the vessel, and they let the light shine out of that vessel as they gave a shout. And the, when the Midianites saw the light and heard the sound, they were frightened and began running and crying, turning the sword on each other and destroyed themselves. You see, these 300 men, these 300 took their tools and their instruction and defeated 15,000 Midianites and never had to fight the battle. What happened where Joshua could not defeat the few at Ai with his thousands, but Gideon could defeat the thousands with his few was the difference of what was on the inside. When Joshua went against Ai, there was a man in the camp that had some things hidden on the inside that shouldn't be there and caused destruction on the outside. But Gideon said, I want you to take a light and I want you to put it in the vessel. And whenever it comes time, you're going to break that vessel. You're going to let the light shine and we're going to defeat thousands with our few. The only way for us to get victory over defeat is to remove the things that shouldn't be there and to get the light inside. I know I'm meshing two stories here, but please understand where I'm coming from. We've got to get things out that should not be there. And we've got to get things that should inside. We've got to get the things of this world removed out of us so that God can let the light shine through us in this world today. This morning, we need to make sure that our inside is right. Come on, we can look perfect. We can look the part. We can stand when we should, clap when we should, say amen when we should. But I'm telling you, if the inside is neglected, we will find defeat in our life and we will not be able to overtake the things that God has planned for us to do. This is the opportunity that we have right now to remove the things that should not be inside of us and to allow the Spirit of God to make sure that he is resting within us each and every day to operate through us, to bring peace and to bring joy, to bring strength and to bring determination in our time of need. Right now is that opportunity. I want to open up these altars today and I want to give somebody the opportunity to make sure that everything of this world that should not be there is removed out and that we have the Spirit of God resting within us each and every day. These altars are open. If you want to